Vice Mayor Bronchino. Right here. Council Member Barbosa. Here. Council Member Danko. Here. Council Member Klupes. Present. Mayor, all members are present. Thank you. This is the part of the agenda where we have public participation. I would invite any member of the public to please step forward uh, to discuss any item. Um, three minutes and please give us your name for the record. Any members of the public wish to step forward this time? Said in no 
infamous words, if it's not one thing, it's another, right? So yesterday, on my way home, coming in from a nice day of fishing and boating, okay, I'm headed north, down the canal, headed towards Colorado, and what do I see on the bridge? Um, uh, I think that's Palm Harbor Bridge, okay? Graffiti, okay? Ton of graffiti, and it's spreading. Not the first time I've seen it, all right? It started on Colchester. It was the first time I saw it. Uh, they covered it up, somebody covered it up. I don't know if the city does that or who took it upon themselves, but sometimes the graffiti looks better than the cover up, to tell you the truth. Now you got, you know, we got spots all over and you have to address it, I understand that. Um, being late last night, I just, I, I mean, I, I jotted down some notes. Uh, coming from the left coast, the west coast, okay, we saw a lot of it, all right? It was to the point where you got to Home Depots or Lowe's, and they would actually lock up the spray cans, okay? They put them behind cages, you lock them up. Uh, they had a task force just to address the graffiti, okay? And it gets expensive. And I, I guess I could go on, and some of the, this is how it starts, okay? I've seen it before. <clears throat> it was written on the, on some of it. There, there may be some gang signs there too, okay? There are some signatures of stuff, right? It's an indication. but. This, that art is not a crime. They're gonna turn this into an art thing, okay? And get justification either in their own minds or somebody else's that it's okay. It's not. Um, as I can see it, it's criminal mischief, vandalism, maybe the same thing as that, but I think it should be addressed pretty strong with some strong fines, something that you don't even wanna think about doing this. You have a nice little park down there. I'm sure everybody's familiar with it. You're gonna see graffiti on the turtle. You're gonna see it on the park benches. You're gonna see it on the sea walls. You're gonna see it everywhere if it's let go. Okay, so I just think, I, and I don't know what the laws are specifically, but we need to be very strong with them or the city will be covered. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. Are there any other members of the public that would like to make a comment at this time? My name is Jeffrey Seib, S-E-I-B. I want to address the city council and offer my thoughts in opposition to any changes in the city ordinance regarding the parking of what I refer to as billboard commercial vehicles. This ordinance was established a long time ago and has performed as planned to do one thing and that is to keep the neighborhoods free of the type of packed-in clutter one might see in places that are not of the suburban or residential character of our city. This appears to be a special entrance-driven agenda item. It's hard to see the community urgency to take any action at this time. Homes and businesses are booming. I can't see this ordinance even affecting any more than 10 to 20% of residents both homeowners and residents, renters, who park these vehicles. 
Driving through the city, there was already a lot of vehicle clutter. Two, three, even four or more vehicles, both large and small, fill up many driveways. Because of the original design of city streets, somewhat narrow with a short distance from the road to the home, it looks like we're packing them in. Nobody wants anything that would possibly further detract from the appearance of our community. Then there is the online survey itself. The non-participants who should have had a voice in this did not, as many residents do not regularly visit the city website. Man, woman, child, pets, resident or non-resident, who knows who voted? These survey results are not the stuff of revoking a city ordinance which has stood the test of time. There are two ways to survey the public regarding this issue which would present a valid and non-biased answer to the question of allowing advertising vehicles to park at homes overnight. The first is a statistically randomized survey of residents asking a simple, non-corrupted question of should these vehicles be allowed to park. The other way to measure the public's thoughts is to place the non-corrupted question on the ballot in the next election. We vote for you this way, why shouldn't we vote for this this way? So as a beginning exercise in deciding on this issue, the survey was not much. Any action by you should be based on sound principles and not an inaccurate survey such as this one. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Are there any other members of the public that would like to make comment at this time? Yes, sir. that the last person that our company talked to in the building department 
basically said, don't even bother to put in for a variance, you're not going to get it. We have rules and they have to be followed, and you're going to have to tear down your pool enclosure and it's going to have to be here. And it hasn't been heard before any committees or anybody, and I thought that a variance had to be heard before a board of seven people, and we would have our day in court, but I believe the well has been forced by the building department, and I don't know if our variance will actually be heard. So we contacted our city councilman, Ed Danko, and he recommended we bring this issue before you guys in the hopes that we might be, get a meeting with the city manager and our pool company office manager to get together and see what we can do to fix this. Uh, I'd like to thank the city council in its entirety for your help in resolving this issue, and I'd like to thank Ed in particular for making, you know, helping us out on this. Uh, thank you. Thank you for your comment. Are there any other members of the public that would like to step forward and make comment at this time? Seeing none, I will close public comment. Um, and a note to the interim city manager, uh, follow up on the uh, second and third speakers, if you would, please. Can I just uh, add something? Go ahead. Mr. McDonald. I love that smile, by the way. Only to you. I completely agree with you regarding our fire department. The fire department is phenomenal. Phenomenal. We have a great bunch of people there. Bad, borrow, yes. Still, I don't know. I realize that. And for the gentleman from Colorado, just one thing. Graffiti is definitely wrong. But remember, the reason why they kept it closed at Home Depot and Lowe's has nothing to do with graffiti. It has to do that kids were using it for drugs. They flip the can around and they smell and drink that aerosol and makes them go crazy. That's the reason why they were not. Here we don't have a problem, so that's just that little bit. But that's the reason why. Thank you. Mr. Mayor? Yes, sir. I did go out and I did meet with um, Tim and uh, Kathleen yesterday. Um, we're talking eight inches. Um, obviously, I would guess their contractor must have made a mistake at some point from first survey to the last. But they have a lot of weather out there. Apparently, uh, they have a lot of deterioration because of the rain. The pool shifted a little bit before it was lowered into place. Regardless, they, they've been through a long period of time trying to get a hearing on a variance before they air the screening down. Um, they went through COVID. We weren't able to accommodate them, but they've been through several city employees. They gave me the names, and I got to be honest with you, they don't seem to have been treated very fairly in this process, and that's all they're asking for is a hearing. So I'd like it if we would have our city
end of the public comment, I have asked the uh, city manager to follow up on the work order and go through the history of all those pieces. And if you would, if you wouldn't mind, at the, uh, at the end, conclusion of the meeting, and just reach out to the, to the resident if that's possible. Sure. Yes, thank you, Mayor and Council Member. Um, Within code for signage, but not because of 
interesting one we've seen over the years, uh, a full tractor and, uh, and a limousine. <laughs> so a passenger tractor, or is that a what yeah, you're saying? Passenger passenger <laughs>
reach a, uh, a consensus, we could act on it. I don't know if we will or not, but what are the specific points? Well, my, my, my stance on this is very simple. We're not an HOA. People work for a living. There's nothing wrong with working for a living. Um, you know, that AC truck pulls into your driveway when your AC goes down in the middle of August, you're happy to see him. So why wouldn't you be happy to live next to the guy who owns that AC truck? Uh, this hurts business. A lot of our businesses, like AC and plumbing vehicles and electrical vehicles, they have to park off-site. So when you call them after hours uh, on the weekend or evening, it's an emergency, they've got to get in their car, they've got to drive to another location, they got to pick up their work vehicle, and then they got to come to your house, and then they got to do the reverse process to get home. And don't think for a moment they're not charging you for that time, because of course they are. Um, but it, it just seems to me that it seems almost silly that we require a vehicle to be covered up simply because it has signs on it for a business. That vehicle's still in that driveway if they cover it up. That, that plumbing vehicle's still there if they put big white magnets on the side of the van. Uh, I, I see nothing wrong with actually being proud of people in our community that run businesses. We should be encouraging them and we should be business friendly. So I'm in support of what we discussed with what was sent out in the survey and we weren't talking large, giant vehicles, dumps, you know, big dump trucks or anything of that nature. We're talking automobiles, pickup trucks. Okay, so, 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 so I'm in favor of this. So I, I haven't actually seen what was sent out, I guess, for the survey. In other words, I was hoping that we had the philosophy of it, mm -hmm. but there's specific language that we have to deal with. I don't think you're saying that you would like to void the entire ordinance. Is that correct? No, no, no. What I'm saying so the ordinance has to be your suggestion. We we need to get to a point where you're going to <coughs> suggest what changes to the existing ordinance specifically would need to be made. Well, I, I it's a challenge. I get it, but that's what we have to do. I, I believe we were kind of at that point um, before we tabled.
basically they're putting suction cups with drapes, uh, mats on their cars. It, it was horrible. I mean, how could that be permitted? And the signage that they just keep laying open and not using doesn't make sense. So people asked me to bring this up, and I brought it up, and there you go. And it's only one vehicle. My uh, one comment would be the survey, the, it, wasn't, it wasn't a very good survey, it filtered out the, the numbers behind it, but uh, yeah, I, the, my stance is still the same. We need to make sure that the majority of town folks wants to see a change in something that's existing. That's why I was a fan of actually putting this onto the ballot, because if we had a 50-50 uh, discrepancy, or I shouldn't say discrepancy, 50-50 match in votes, then precedent to me would seem to dictate to where you know, we continue this thing path forward without uh, more data that is more statistically significant, because the survey really wasn't a real survey. The survey was just, and no offense to anyone, I'm just saying it was a web page that anyone could go on and answer where um, the national community survey discussion that I bet we have in the next presentation will talk about statistical significance and how it makes, it makes a lot of, it matters who you ask in, your, in a cross section of trying to extrapolate out a, a real result. So, I wasn't in complete my confidence with the survey. It's just that it's not statistically significant and that in order to change existing rules and existing precedents and conflicts, we have to be very sure that the majority of the public uh, is behind this. This could adversely impact some Palm Bush residents, as they say, and only because, and I repeat this, I have to emphasize this, only because it could adversely impact Palm Bush residents. I think this matter, being so divided, should go to a referendum. Okay. Just because, I have to say this three times, because this could adversely impact Palm Bush residents. Not frivolously put everything on a, on, on a referendum. Okay. Uh, once again, this is overnight. Nobody will tell you anything if you park during the day or you're doing a job. We both had called those us, those of us who favor the ordinance to stay the same, and those of us which absolutely entitled to. Absolutely entitled to think that uh, uh, the park, the trucks could park there. Okay, personally, and I, the people I've been speaking with, uh, and I've spoken with people in favor. I got friends that own businesses, and they told me that it would be good to have a truck parked in the house. Yeah, for one emergency, you're going to park a truck overnight. I'll follow my care. And plus, remember one thing: for the purpose of advertising. If you put a truck there at night in Palm Coast, who do you think that's going to see that? It's not free advertising. Nobody sees it at night, in my opinion. It's just the way it looks.
for the neighbors, and that's how they won. But for the purpose of advertising, no, not at all. That's only my opinion, and I, I respect everybody's opinion here. It's just my opinion, and I'll stop with this. So, go ahead. So some of the letters I had, some of the letters I had were from emergency vehicles. Uh, there was one uh, gentleman, which his job is to go out and fix the antennas when uh, the 911, uh, I guess the police antennas and fire antennas. He says, you know, I have to run to these uh, sites and fix this stuff. And it, it takes him an extra <clears throat> hour or 40 minutes to go to his car where it's parked, get in there, and go fix the problem. Uh, there's other uh, vehicles too. Um, yeah. it's, uh, you know, we're, we're allowing, we're not allowing nothing. The vehicles are already there parked. It's just you don't have to go and put a tarp on top of the vehicle, which would make it ugly. <laughs> so, what I'm hearing from uh, City Council this morning um, is that the attempt at a survey was, uh, was in effect. Exercise was done, but I'm not hearing from anybody that they feel comfortable that the results are a um, an indication of what the, the largest majority of residents of the city of Palm Coast might uh, ask us to consider. Um, is that fairly said? We never seem to get that from our survey. Our survey. Yeah, and I, I see this. You know, this is. I think whoever really said fun. it. This is not really a survey. This was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, a, a weak attempt at collecting some information. Now. I would call your attention, but I would like to bring up one other point, okay. Mr. Mayor. Um, since this conversation has been placed back on the agenda in the last several weeks, I've had two business owners contact me telling me their homes are for sale. They are leaving Palm Coast because they can't simply keep their work vehicle in the driveway. They're going to move into unincorporated plaza um, and rather than stay here. And they perceive this. So the ordinance has been in place for, I guess, 20 plus years. Um, so for us to suddenly become a, a business, not become business friendly, I, I, I would question that. Also, selling home at this point in time, top of the market, uh, good time to uh, move. But more importantly, um, I would call your attention to the next item on the agenda today, which we'll get to in just a moment. We do have an opportunity Council um, senses some agreement here to participate in a national survey, which is a statistically developed survey, which would give us, I think, a clear indication, which I myself would um, abide by, uh, because I think it's our best way to figure out how many of our residents are truly in favor of this. We have a population of 80 plus thousand residents. We've mentioned, you know, some people here and there today, but by no means are we addressing our largest majority of residents here in the city of Palm Coast. I'm uncomfortable setting a precedent, changing the, uh, the uh, code in, uh, um, based on a, an ineffective attempt at a survey and a limited number of contact with those that have a special interest in changing it. I would much rather know that the public who we represent 
representatives to the council are strongly in favor. And what I would be looking for is a, you know, something close to a two-thirds majority would like to see the ordinance changed or perhaps the code not changed. So I'm going to suggest that we've gone this far. Uh, the code has been in place for 20 plus years. That we do it the right way and not go off halfway. It will be convenient for some of your residents, but I have to think about the entire uh, population of the city of Montrose. So please, please. How many? 20. How many? The motion. No, well, you can't. This, this is, is a, a workshop today, so we'll, but but please, uh, the idea is to please get your ideas out because we are going to have to give staff some direction well, on I, how to proceed. I agree with uh, you know putting this on the ballot and let them uh, vote. That's the, I think the fairest way. So in in advance of the ballot, I think we have an option, an opportunity in terms of a uh, uh, survey to get to an answer. that this is not 
because I know it's stepping out of order on the agenda, but I think it's important. Yeah, the national. 
National Survey of United whatever it is, yes. all that kind of forth. My question was, uh, if my understanding is correct, that they're randomly chosen from different universes to provide a proper cross-section of our population, so it's not uh, like 2,000 people on the same street are randomly going to be chosen to get the uh, survey. So it's not only the questions, but it's also the selection process that makes it statistically significant. Is that right? That's right. So uh, yeah. I favor the scientific approach, and here's why. Each of us has a, let's call it a uh, friends, neighbors, perhaps even a constituency, which will tend to gravitate towards each of us. And lo and behold, they may have similar ideas or, or wants in terms of, of what we do. I'm trying to get a broader reach throughout the entire city of Palm Coast so that we do make a decision based on what the largest majority of residents want to have happen to their city. Would these uh, surveys be going to the HOAs? I, I would assume that Good would question. Be a, uh, we would work with the, the company to, um, they are the ones who do the targeted. Um, I'm just saying, because we're, we're yeah, saying that we have a It's an excellent question. Do we have the flexibilities mm -hmm. in the random selection of residents to eliminate um, deed restricted communities? Not, not the city, of course. Okay, uh, real quick though, may, may I jump in? Mm -hmm. Is that, my, are you okay with that question? That would be cool. So by choosing to exclude certain uh, HOAs or different populations from our community to try to get to the answer the question of whether or not, whatever verbiage we decide on to get the yes or no question to this is going to alter the data that we receive for the other goal, which is to measure the overall you know, heartbeat of the city. So if we start to tailor this towards this one individual question, we're going to uh, neutralize the effectiveness of the other portions of the underlying initiative for the community survey discussion, if that makes sense. So we're basically changing what we're trying to get out of the survey if we, if we do so the excluding. So you're suggesting the random survey would, would necessarily include the restricted communities because they represent whatever percentage they represent of the, of the total population and they also are valued in the community as a whole. Okay. At least for all of the other questions. Understood. What I'm understanding is you can't use that survey because eight, if I, I, I vote with an HOA is because I don't want to deal with this kind of thing. Yeah. So why would I vote yes for that? Well, in commonality between the two residences, they both are resident citizens of Palm Coast. Um, so we, we the questions are they pay extra for not to deal with this stuff. The questions are much more broad on the survey though. They're like overall happiness with city services and things. They're not stuff that's like tied specifically to things that would be impacted by HOA residents or not. So we're getting really specific with these questions, and that's why the generality of the questions actually makes the HOA people's uh, opinion more viable because it's not specifically like, hey, am I happy with my neighbors because I have these additional rules in the HOA? It, the questions, for example, are like the overall, how do you feel overall safety of Palm Coast would be uh, an example for, for something along those lines. Mr. Mayor, I, I also, the survey, only a third responds. How accurate is that? Um, and again, so we're focused on It's a fair question, but I think if we look back, and again, to, not to get off track, if you look at the return on surveys of this type, I think you'll find that's rather average. Um, is that correct? In other words, it's not. It may seem low because we don't aren't in the survey business. Um, quite honestly, I would like to see us 
take a shot at this survey because there may be other questions in the future. If we're able to use this survey as a tool that makes sense for the residents, we might be able to apply it for future decisions as well. I'm just uncomfortable with each of us kind of microscoping um, our, our incoming, you know, uh, asks and requests uh, from, from the people that uh, tend to, you know, uh, come to each of us. So what I'm asking right now very simply, would we, we be willing to abide by the results of the national survey? I, I just think it's like, we're just saying that we need to do this for everything we're gonna vote now. Now the, now the question on the table is for this particular question. I think we should just vote for it and that's it. Yeah, I, I would not abide by the survey. Our, our business community. So you'd like to see this come forward as a vote in the next meeting? The, the vote, the, okay. the, 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 the businesses that have work vehicles um, that are, are requesting a change are a minority in our community. So we're going to allow a majority of people to do a survey where they don't have work vehicles just because they don't like the fact that the minority parks their vehicles overnight in a driveway. Uh, makes no sense to me. We were elected to make decisions. We were elected to lead. I think we need to, to take a stand on this issue. So the consensus I'm hearing now is that at the next business meeting, we will take a vote on the uh, on the current ordinance without change. Is that everyone's understanding? I think it's up to you. And do you have any consensus? I'm asking for your opinion. I, I think I think it's your decision and decision of the city manager to put it in the ballot. But I, I, what I would like to do is go back to item two. I mean item one because right now we just shrunk a lengthy uh, uh, you know a meeting because we're talking about number two. We're not even done. We asked you back. I'll back to number one. We've never left number one. We're just okay. trying to well, find a solution to it. Okay. Anyway, uh, I never thought I would say this, but. Uh, I completely agree with uh, Councilman Barbosa and with Councilman Danko and disagree with you, Mr. Mayor. And why do I agree and disagree? I agree with Councilman Barbosa for the simple fact that I think this should go to a survey. I mean, excuse me, this should go to a, a referendum. And I also agree with uh, uh, Councilman Danko because we should be business friendly. And it's a shame when we lose two business because they want to move out of town. What I would like to see is, at the end of this meeting, uh, at Councilman Tanko give confidentially, confidentially, the city manager, the name of those two business, maybe she could talk with them so they don't leave. But please, at the end of the meeting, don't wait for tomorrow or the day after. Just, if you would be so kind and give it to her, only her, only her, so she could confidentially contact these people, see what she could do for them not to leave. I'm pretty sure you still remember the names of the business. I'd be happy to. Okay. Good. Okay, let's get back to the topic. The, um, uh, so I'm hearing referendum. The Councilman Kluge, referendum? Yes. Councilman Brankino, referendum? I absolutely favor it. Councilman Danko, yes, we're not a referendum. Opposed or, 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 or we're not voting, but Councilman. Is it a referendum or vote no? So you're okay with a referendum? Is that is 
of what we're doing legal? Can it be done that way? Are we violating any, in any way, shape, or form by bringing this uh, to a referendum? If we all agree, of course. You're, it, it just raises practical issues. Do you want a special election? Do you want it in the next regular election? For the purpose of timing, the purpose of, for, you know, for purposes of expense, it's going to be a lot more money if it's going to be conducted, to be conducted by the supervisor of elections if we're talking about you know, a, a referendum like that. Um, Still like to 
ballot, no one's going to want that. But if we don't push it over the edge and it's just an additional question on the ballot, I'm curious what the cost for that would be. I mean, that changes my opinion, honestly. If it's only $2,000, it is what it is. If it's $100,000, that's a different story. So to, um, if you add a page to the ballot, it depends on the number of registered voters of, in the city of Compost, because that's the ballot page that it should go to. So that would increase the mailing. It would probably, can get you an answer for Tuesday, but I don't have an estimate off the top of my head right oh, now. I'm not asking. I'm sorry. I'm not asking. That's okay. I know it's not going to be cheap. I think it's we important, have Mr. Mayor. I think it's important for us to recognize that we let's let's say whether it's a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars, and we're getting you preference along. But we're not going to know whether that will be an additional expense until we get really close to the completion of the ballot process. Correct. Um, that that is going to depend upon a lot of things beyond our. The length of last names, for instance. Yes. <laughs> Councilman Brink, you know, I just, uh, I, I thought the referendum, that's why I asked you the question about it. Yeah. Because I'm usually complicated, but nothing is so simple. What's seems simple? But sometimes it's not simple. That's why we have to follow the law. And uh, uh, here uh, is what it is. If we're going to have
and be able to get those results in real time. So we're going to be able to tell questions specifically. So in this presentation, we're going to talk about custom questions that we're allowed to. Um, we're allowed to have three of them. Okay. So, um, but so you you could ask this council um, if there was three specific questions that we could all agree on, yes. and we would be able to include them. I am still confused about one thing: the randomly selected. Is this a shotgun approach, or are we breaking things down demo to demographics, to income, to political parties? How, how randomly selected just to me just seems like we're just throwing it out there. So if you could That's explain a, great question. a little bit more on this so we understand. I will definitely get you an answer and come back to you with it. We use this third party vendor that we've been using since 2002 and they have the final. So we don't know how they do it. We've been using them since 2002. I'm sure. I'm sure that someone would probably be able to. I'd like an answer because I'd like to specifically know how they're how they're selecting these homes randomly. Councilman Neck, and I think I get halfway to answer your question. Councilman Klukas, do you want to talk about random number generators? Yep. Uh, we're, we're using the term random here, but over the last uh, five years that I've been here, the presentations we've had and the explanation I've had that our in city manager, our city manager Denise can piggyback on this. Random isn't the correct word there. It, and it would make the, make, it would make it statistically insignificant if they were truly randomly selected. This is very similar to polling and political data, which I'm sure you're aware of. It is specific to demographics to get an accurate split. Um, of course, let's confirm that, but if it wasn't, it doesn't make it statistically significant. And in the past, we have been reassured of that. Uh, but <clears throat> this is a presentation that we made, and the word random does fit here, but it's random from the certain universes that okay. the demographic splits are. So we'll, uh, we'll ask, ask you to come back with the, the definition of the, uh, the, of the, the, universe, the universe of data that we're going to pull. Yeah. Some of the sample questions that we came up with for 
these topics are completely viable. The one thing I would say we want to keep in mind is that potentially in the future we want to keep the testing questions the same so that we can measure uh, and extrapolate long running results. So these three things are a priority today. So I'm fairly confident they're going to be a priority in the future as long as we can be in agreement that these questions are going to be viable not only today but into uh, future council to be able to get data out of. I'm totally fine with that. So, Councilman. We, and you're right, these three topics are touch points. If we keep them on survey competitively, we'll be able to challenge ourselves about are we making progress, are we, are we doing a better job, or do we need to focus more resources toward doing a better job? I think that is a theme behind it. But again, we haven't settled on these three questions. We're not right today. I'm just trying to give staff some, uh, some direction to move forward. Is that that help you get us to the next meeting with this information? Yes, and, and that was the big part of the design of the questions was that we could continually ask them so that we can measure our certainty. Very good. And does that conclude your presentation? Thank you very much. Right, moving down the agenda, let me just ask the uh, interim city manager, would you have a, a final comment on that uh, item? No, Mayor, thank you. Our next presentation is the city manager search discussion.
scheduling interviews during the holidays, so that's something we may want to consider. It may take a little longer. Today we will talk about the pre preparation, promotion, application process, evaluation of the candidates, and the selection of the finalists. There was a draft brochure sent out last week that is also attached to the agenda packet today. This is just a starting point for us for the development of the position profile. In the preparation and promotion phase, we are seeking council consensus on the qualification and aptitude for the city manager position. Establishing the position profile will help institute the groundwork for generating a rich pool of applicants with the skills and abilities to meet not only the current needs but the future needs of the city and the community. We will also be considering the advertising and marketing material and selected target markets. Today, staff is looking for the input on the application process. This process will be reviewing the education level, the experience, and the salary range, as well as a literary or writing component, video introduction, and comprehensive references. The profile will encompass those qualities and characteristics, experience, and area of expertise that will be found in an ideal candidate. Establishing this criteria will help ensure that the candidate appointed has the appropriate experience, work experience management, experience and leadership. Benchmarking from the International City Managers Association and their database of local governments, the minimum education level for a city manager is a bachelor's degree in public administration, business administration, or a related field with a master's degree preferred. The ideal candidate should possess the required knowledge and experience obtained through the completion of advanced education from an accredited educational institution of higher learning. We are seeking council consensus on the minimum and preferred educational attainment level for potential candidates. Do you want to stay with the bachelor's degree with the master's preferred, or do you? City Council, do you have a comment? Uh, we're going to go through this and give staff direction as the presentation unrolls. So just summarize those again real quick. Um, the, Based on benchmarking, the average, most every one of the postings have a bachelor's degree is required, and it's either in public administration, business administration, or a related field with a master's degree preferred. So I, I could care less on that question. Okay, more than total big picture, but I do want to go back because I just want to understand something here. Staff is suggesting that they conduct the search and then present five finalists. So this council or am I Councilman Denver, what I heard, and again, remember I was up here then, was that there was a consensus um, of city council back in June to do, to have staff conduct an external search. Is that, did I say that correctly? Yes, we would just be facilitating. Council direction will be the one deciding who, how the, how the resumes are received. So it's not, not staff conducting the search, it's city council. Well, using staff. Okay, I just, I just want to make sure that any individual on this council can present an applicant, and I actually want to take this a step further, that any applicant that anyone might present becomes one of the finalists. So regardless of the process, that would fit any of the possible processes that were on your first slide, is that correct? That's correct. It, it is so correct? Okay, I just wanted to, so you're, but as far as educational requirements go, a person is a total package. Package. And but Councilman, I, I don't have an issue with 
you will have to send an application to whomever it is, whether it's someone that you. So they may not have a degree. No, the question, the question is, is, are you okay with having that on the application? Have, having moved on the application. Yes. No, I'm not okay with having not okay. So what would you like to see on the application? I, I'd like to see them fill in their educational background, but I don't think we can just judge somebody by the degree. We may have an applicant that comes from another, another city that never completed college. Mm -hmm. uh, for all I know. So I, 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 not a large I assume, so then you're not looking for an entry bar to weed through the applicants before no. we see them? No. Not, not on an educational entry bar. Okay. I mean, there may be Uh, 
background of history. That is what I think that's So if we focus heavily on the experience required, will that give you the kind of direction you're looking for? Absolutely. Good. And, and I just didn't realize Councilman Bertino brought up a good point that we needed some way to, to eliminate getting thousands of applicants. Exactly. And, and very good point, sir. Um, so I, I'm fine with that. I think the experience part, and, and on that, would you set a level? Would you say 10 years experience, five years, 15 years? Yes, sir. That's my next slide. Okay. And we're we'll looking at um, industry standards and best practice from ICMA, which is the International City Managers Association, as well as the Florida City County Management Association. The minimum government experience for a city manager is five years. We're seeking council consensus on the minimum number of so, and just so I'm clear enough, I just want to, there are certifications that are earned by city managers. There's a process, it's a good one, um, it's very involved. So, I think what we're looking to do is make sure that the experience includes some level of those certifications. That proves the experience that's been had. Um, and the institutes that, that generate those uh, certifications Worldly now, and they're, 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 they're not in, in question. So, would that be a, a, a highlight for the experience? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Council?
we feel that that's an exception. That's just because if we all as a, uh, as a body feel that could be an exception, so if, if we feel okay. as a body that could be an exception, then we have to analyze it. Because if we have a great candidate in front of us, yeah. if you have a great candidate in front of us, and he only has four years of experience, mm -hmm. okay, and we're going to let him go, it's going to be tough as it is by the salary you pay. It's going to be tough as it is to get very good candidates. We may get good candidates, okay, but I don't think we're going to get very good candidates applying for this job because of the salary. If you're going to compare it, for example, somebody our size, which is uh, uh, Sunrise, City of Sunrise, they're talking about $60,000 more a year that they get there than here. So uh, if, if that's an exception to be made, that's going to be up to us to make it that. Right. So just based on your, your question earlier uh, before, and I, I'll refer to Mr. Reichman here. If we have an application process, will there be any possibility of, of uh, exemption or exception?
Yes. Until you, until we kind of at least have a few comments on each of the areas, it's very hard to understand what the whole application looks like. Let's do those standards, like you said. That. Yep. We should just go with the standards. Well, that, I think that's what we're trying to get more about here, but. Another element of the application process is reviewing the compensation package. This slide displays information from the Florida Public Human Resources Association 2021 personnel salary survey. The municipalities were selected based on the population, budget, and number of full-time employees in comparison with the city of Palm Coast. Um, this review is useful in order to ensure that the city remains competitive, and we are just seeking council consensus on the salary range for the advertisement. In the draft brochure that was sent out, it, uh, the salary range was 140,000 up, depending on qualification. I did. I, 
I placed phone calls when I got these people. I placed phone calls to them, and sometimes to their friends, and sometimes to the people they work with. And that helped me a lot. There's, on this application process, there's only one thing I will not relinquish. It's the last five months, I want to see them eye to eye, person to person. Okay, that's the only thing I will not relinquish is have the opportunity. There was one councilman the last time who chose not to speak with any uh, any of them, only one. Uh, but I think it's very important because all of us over here are grown ups, and we know. I think, at least for me, maybe the street smartness tells me who's trying to fool me. Because don't you know? Don't be fooled. Some of these guys are really good, and they tell you what you want to hear, and then they come here and don't do what you actually do. So. That's why I don't relate with my And that's the component of how I'm. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Can I conclude this, please? Um, I also, the Zoom meetings are great, but the uh, writing sample, the literary component is. So I'm just getting there. Okay, good. Oh, okay. Uh, the writing sample is less important to me than a presentation or a pitch deck. And I say that because in one of the key criteria in my mind is to be able for this person or individual to create a product or a presentation, just a PowerPoint, if you will, that is intriguing, but also can convey a message and a story. Because a lot of the times when we interact with the public, that's how we get the story out. And it's just my opinion that we need someone capable of producing that. So while a literary component, written words are fantastic to you know, make sure that the, uh, it's, you know, the vernacular is correct and everything, but the presentations are the more important. Yeah, uh, the question I have on that, are we looking for a person that has the ability to, to create that presentation or are we looking for somebody to manage those that will create those presentations for the, I'm just. Yeah, the right person will be able to get the presentation done. So what can we look at to know that? that that's the test here. In other words, are you asking them for samples of presentations they've used of their former employment? I'll come mostly to pitch deck just on why they would be the best candidate for the city manager. Company. About themselves? Yes. So and we assume they would put that together So it would be 
be up to up to us to, in addition to city manager um, experience, you have to qualify exactly what other. Because again, you don't want to if you open it up too far, you're going to have a universe which is right. too big to to digest. So if you want to include a couple of other categories, in addition to city management, it might also be leadership. It could also be a combination of okay. experience so and the HR can handle the words to do that. That's you see what I mean? I mean I we made this a great candidate, you know, who ran a major corporation. Um, I, I actually, okay. I'm just curious about anyone who ran a major corporation who come to work for $160,000 a year. I'm just surprised that, that we're not, that's but we can't, that's right. I'm, just, I'm just saying, you know. Um, just to be clear, the presentation will be just for the finalists, correct? Correct, yes. yes. The five. Uh, looking at a timeline summary, as I stated earlier, we plan to have the job announcement out by September the 17th. With council approval, the closing date will be set for a minimum of four weeks from the initial publication. The approximate cost for staff to advertise in 12 publications is approximately $2,300. For transparency, NTSR, we use a diverse applicant pool and we have selected a variety of organizations related to the National and State Association of Managers. The organizations and job boards include the International City Manager, City, County, Managers Association, the National Forum for Black Public Administrators, Local Government Hispanic Network, Florida League of Cities, Florida City County Management Association, the National League of Cities, Florida Association of Counties Job Recruitment Services, Career in Government, American Public Power Association, Florida Trend, ND, and LinkedIn. So this is this is this is the best funnel that HR can develop, and these are the usual suspects for where you would locate a candidate, correct? Yes, sir. Very good, okay. So uh, I guess we're just seeking a council consensus on is four weeks for the advertising and the posting. So I do have a question, let me go first if I may. What's driving the posting on the September 17th? Why are we picking that date? We were just targeting, just trying to just set a date so we could move forward. So, so my first there. question to city council is, seems a very short timeline for all that we have in front of us. Are we prepared to deal with this most important subject uh, in such a short timeline? Good question. Go ahead. Uh, for application processing, I would think uh, we probably won't be too involved in that, I would think, and uh, I think up till October 30th, would there be any additional intervention that the city council would have to have discretion on? So on after the 30th is when we would get the applications, though, right? Yes. Okay, understood. So we have until the 30th to handle our other business, but uh, the longer timeline produces more you know, duration for applicants to funnel in. The one thing I would say, though, is these are under the Sunshine Law, right? So that is correct. it creates an interesting dynamic because city managers who are in other states and other cities put an application in here, all of a sudden that's public record. Uh, that can be uh, an interesting situation if you guys understand where I'm coming from. We had the problem. You want to weigh in on that, Mr. Anderson? Oh, absolutely. These are, would be a matter of public record, and, and it would be inappropriate for more than one of any, any one of the members of this council to have communication from outside the sunshine. At, at any one time. One, one on one is fine. You just can't use this as a candidate or any other 
communication and contact is an assumption. And the other uh, point, just if you would, just to finish this off. So once you unleash this uh, hosting, you have to assume that there will be aggressive candidates out there that will try to contact city staff, city council, and, and whomever else. So what problem does that pose for us, or what do we have to be cautious about this relation? Well, there are certain provisions and other types of um, postings and, and, and purchasing policies which provide that the either uh, communication is directed to the individual who are making a decision or a search or prohibited for some period of time. I don't know how that was done in the past, but it's off the first. Um, but, um, you know, if, if, if people can, can ignore that, it could be grounds for disqualification. I mean, it just depends on how you want to handle it. Um, but just be, be very aware and very careful um, that uh, you know, from a legal standpoint, but also a practical standpoint, it, I mean, I've seen it happen in the past where um, you know, someone will come up from the audience and say, well, I know that one particular council member has been re you know, receiving specific communications with one, one member and therefore is not keeping an open mind. That's not legal, but I'm just giving you all the benefit of my experience, and, and that's how it can play out. So just expect a lot, and I'm sure HR is already aware of this, but 
the longer we extend that period, they're going to wait until right at the end because that happens frequently where city manager positions are just queried to say, hey, show me who is, you know, interested in this job and all of a sudden now, you know, you're pulling the fire in each every city manager who's currently employed foot uh, whatever city they're in. So that's why the, the Sunshine Law is that applicants will potentially wait until the very last moment that they can just to limit uh, self-exposure. And, and regarding the timeline again, so when I'm looking at these dates, that's going to put you right smack in the holiday. Now, I can't answer the question, does that help or hurt in terms of searching for a city manager? Because you, you obviously make the assumption that the majority, the overwhelming majority, of city manager candidates will be employed. So they'll be leaving a job in order to come to a job. So is the turn of the year a good time or a bad time? I don't know. It's always difficult around the holidays because people are planning vacations or holiday, you know, family gatherings, but it's nothing that we can't overcome. But in terms, I guess what I'm really asking, in terms of contracts uh, and agreements between city managers and their cities are, are Many of them annualized on a calendar year, or it's all different, or? It's all different, and most of the time it's a contract. So they give a 30-day notice. And there are no bonus periods or things that you might find in the industry. I'm just trying to you know, make sure that our timeline is, is, is effective. So it doesn't seem you all don't have a problem with this timeline. And we need to do this. Yeah. We need to do this. Yeah, I, don't, I, I don't share the same sense of urgency, but I'm, listen, I'm willing to collaborate here and form consensus. So if that's the timeline, you're all okay? I'm good with it. There you go. Obviously, it's council's direction if they want to appoint 
spot. So HR is not a point. No so who, who would it be? Who would be the communicator? That would be me. Okay. I, I agree with you. I'm in favor of the external. And I agree with Council Member Kino, though. I think we all want to be able to see any application at any time. I got pulled off by everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I apologize for that. I apologize. Uh, what is the standard normally on this? Well, that's why a lot of uh, cities hire national firms for the search because they handle that part of it. They are the facilitator and communicator, and um, they also review the applicants and bring forth a recommended twenty or so to council. I'm okay with three firms. HR, let, let's say for example, if if you want to make it even more transparent, I, I'm just going to venture two names. For example, would you, for example, say, all right, I will chief. Two people that unreproachable, Chief Forte and Matthew Masco, for example. Okay, would they? Could you create like a trio to look at these things? But still, I still want to see them all to actually view, find, review, and find. I don't know. Could, could that be? Could that be so done by you? Let's back up. Let's back up on the task first. Okay. 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 So I think the task you're asking is who is the point communicator first. That's Any sort of 
certifications that they want to send up, send to us. Either in paper or electronically, I would assume, correct? That's correct. So now to your question. Your question was, will you be able to see on the first round all of the incoming data? Yes, yes. Uh, I think we had it, most of it the, the last time. That uh, uh, actually, I think we went to Virginia. We got packages, and the only thing that was asked of us is, "This are confidential for your reading only." Okay, and after that, uh, destroy it. Okay, after you get your thing, you zip. Assume we would be good stewards of the data, and absolutely it behooves us all to look at as much of the incoming information as we possibly can. So everybody's fine with that.
in other words, if you if 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 I want to bring forward a candidate, mm -hmm. so I tell that candidate, hey, that application needs to go to HR. I think they, they can go to HR, but I think you can present it to the council and make your case for any individual that you think should so have. So you'd like each city council member to have the ability to promote the to promote a candidate. The option, yes. Completely disagree. I think there's a process. That process should be enough. What we could do is, once that person gets accepted, all right, and we spotted the, uh, the last 25 or the five, then we could actually tell them, everybody here why the candidate that I like is a better so, so job. I don't, I don't believe you're that far apart. In other no, words, you're going to have a chance to champion. If, if any one of us chooses to bring forward a candidate, you're going to have the opportunity to champion that candidate here. Here, 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 where you're sitting today. Right. Okay. But then whoever we appoint on the steering committee could remove that candidate without yeah. us. Well, no, I, well, I believe no, I'm sorry. what we've already said was that each each city council member may bring forward a, a candidate, which will go into the final round. Is that the deal? Uh, that's what I thought we agreed on. The person has to apply, and if he passes the screening, so then it's going to be on. Okay, you're adding qualifiers. Qualifiers if they pass the screen. Yeah, bringing somebody from the, the uh, from the outside just without us knowing or or being able to read about it, not seeing an application, I wouldn't agree with that. No, no, what? we didn't say no application. No, but, uh, In other words, I think I just I'm just trying to try to I'm trying to get the, the conversation down the road here. So if if one of us were to bring forward a candidate didn't pass muster on some item in the application, uh, then why would we want him here? Because a city council person thought that this, that's the exception rule that we talked about earlier. We all agreed that we could have an exception if we chose to. Yes, but not an exception of the application. Yeah, that is not yet. A person still has to apply. He still has to be screened. That's that's my thing. If once they apply and screen and they pass it, then it's up to us to, to do what we have to do to, to quote unquote sell that person. That I agree with absolutely. My, my idea here, and I think this is pretty simple, is every person who's considered for this position has to have gone through the process of applying for HR. Then as counsel, when we are all given all of the applications in total, that would include the individuals that were pushed, pushed forward by other council members, and at that point, we have the ability to okay. review HR on why wasn't this candidate brought forward in front of us. And so, at this so point, you, you can supplement. If you were going down to five, that's the outlier, because of whatever you could you could reintroduce that. Yes. Go ahead. I, I, no, I think it gets you there. I, I, I think we're all kind of close on the same yes. page. I, I just want to make sure that say say council member Pino has a candidate mm -hmm. that he likes. That 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 candidate doesn't make it through that process because all you would be doing is handing that resume over and walking away. I want to make sure that you can present that candidate to us and present your case as to why yes that candidate did fit one part of the
we are keeping cheap forces away from one place that even though we are in very good hands, both as an interim uh, uh, senior manager and the fire department, I think Chief Forte is, uh, is placed, is knowledgeable, is everything is on the fire department. That's the only reason why, because right now the city is functioning, it is functioning well. The only thing is that how long, I know what we did to Chief Forte when he had to take over public works, okay? And uh, I remember that. So therefore, that's the only thing I say, because right now we are functioning, see? And that's the only thing other than that, but it's up to you guys. Chief Forte is able to continue on an extended timeline. What, what's your what's your preference? Mayor, um, I don't feel that's an appropriate question for me. However, I agree that fire chief and it comes as fire department. So I would just ensure you consider that in your decision making today. Mr. Mayor, is there anything we gain by pushing this back just a few weeks? Is there anything that we're trying to change in that duration that would lead us to push it back. I'm, I'm fine pushing it back as long as we have something that we're doing in that time. Otherwise, let's fire a cannon. It's so like we had very upside to the two buying the less the time. Yeah. Not, not, not really. I was, I was thinking buying a lot more time, but uh, certainly that you, you see no upside to that. So I was thinking a week or two. I wasn't going to say that. right. If you really examine it. So, you know, put our toes to the fire and make it happen. And I think another week probably doesn't earn us anything more. Okay. Now, just some other things I do is push it back than just a week. Yeah. Right? Just so in our end, and so there's no mistake. Our respect for Chief Forte is immense. So let that not be a mistake. Mistakenly understood here. We absolutely do understand and do appreciate the double sacrifice that he's making at this point in time, uh, it does not go unnoticed. We respect him so much. We're going to ask him to read every applicant that applies to the
say, he says, this is why he got kicked out. And then if I don't agree with it, then this is the place to listen to it here with anyone. Absolutely. Yes. Okay, I don't know. Thank, thank you. We were, we hit that one too. Okay, good enough? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is of paramount importance to keep integrity, transparency, and a review in the selection process. Council will also need to decide how the interview <coughs> will be set. Council may prefer a panel interview, one-on-one -on -one interviews, community, community meetings, employee involvement, or any combination. This is not something that has to be set today. This is just something to think about for the future. Um, if I may, I, that's one thing I personally won't relinquish unless I have to. It's the one-on-one, -on -one, okay? Everything else can be done. My colleagues will, but the one-on-one, -on -one, I want to. I want to. Um, so, so, just so I'm understanding you, one-on-one -on -one as opposed to as a five, as opposed to one council. Yes, as opposed to uh, we could we could still have the meeting like yeah. all of us having uh, uh, one by one because they still do it. We have the chance of, on the last five, they all come here to the podium right. and talk to us. Right. But I still want to, I don't know if that process was prior to us talking one-on-one, -on -one or if it was I want to also be able to have your own individual one-on-one Because -on -one when we do it here, the public will hear. Right. That's why. So you want to have a one-on-one -on -one without the public hearing? Yes, the one-on-one, -on -one, just the. Oh, I was just helping with that because. Yeah, that's what we have. We have a one-on-one, -on -one. all of us have the. No, I'm just uncomfortable with, that, with the public not hearing. No, no, they will hear uh, when we have a, a community. We have the chance of asking any questions we want when the candidates come here. The last five makes no sense going through all of them. But the last five candidates here, we have the chance of asking them questions, yes. of asking them whatever. And then to view fine what you want to view fine yourself, if you have any doubts, you do it one on one. Like I said, I'd rather look at it a person's eyes. And then it's absolutely legal because we get the last five. After, after we do the. the or before. I think it was actually before last time. The, uh, all of our council members have the option of including someone from a news source if they wanted documentation of it. It wasn't necessary, it didn't have to be just one-on-one, -on -one, but it did give you the opportunity to sit down with that person. If you want someone else in the room, that's fine, but to really just look them in the eyes and understand them as a person where once they come to this council, uh, the podium, they'll be doing the presentation and it's much more uh, generalized, you know, uh, presentation. But these one-on-ones are, are, you know, giving the ability for someone to look at someone in the eyes and kind of feel out their soul. Uh, is, a, is a pretty big thing that it's difficult okay. to do. It's certainly not uncommon. I understand my only hesitation is unless the opportunity to begin steering your your favorite candidate to the city council. I'm worried about perception. I want this to be as transparent as possible. Is there a legal issue there of any kind? For me, it's not a
regards to its perception as long as it fit with what I'm going to before the final vote? I'm not aware, but I second that. Mr. Mayor? Uh, I, I, quick question. When you get down to a certain amount of applicants, say 20, do you then bring them here for interviews in person? At what point are we bringing people here? This is the final cut. This is the five. I'm, I know we're talking about the five, but I'm curious at what point is, do you bring people here? Probably it would be the final the cut. The final five. So I think, you know, we are the, we are the employer. These applicants will be the employees. And he's really one of two people we can, we have control over. I absolutely think we should be able to have the one-on-one -on -one private interview. Okay. Um, I think it should be, it, it, it should be before they come here. It could be after if you really needed it, but, but either way, I think during the process, those one-on-ones um, are important and if the public perceives so, it. So I understand that there are like three council members so far that, that They still gonna get 45 minutes to be here. We so step, what we do, we have a special meeting. They come here, we give them 45 minutes, the other four waiting in, in, in the back, and then for 45 minutes, we make it public for everybody, the questions that we have. The only thing I agree with, uh, uh, that I would like to have one-on-one, -on -one, it's because I wanna have the feeling. I wanna have that feeling by talking to the person. Okay, that's nothing, I'm not gonna ask any questions other than what was asked here. And that, that's understood. Trying to find a way uh, out of the perception issue because it's going to be a problem. Mm -hmm. But if y'all are willing to digest that, then you know but you've my, got a majority here. But my, my question also is, and I just want to make sure that I'm correct in this from what Mr. Reichman said, is if one of these applicants calls you and you have a private phone conversation, that's not a violation of sunshine. I would assume if you picked up the phone and called one of these applicants, you wouldn't. So what's the difference then than a private one-on-one? So on one? It would not be. My concern would be that um, it, it opens doors for, for possible violations. And what I mean by that is, is that depending upon um, the individuals involved, the applicants involved, if they are not as familiar with Florida law as we all are with regard to Sunshine Law, they may not understand that any communications that they have with one council member should not be relayed to another council member in other words, one of the violations of the Sunshine Law is using a third party as a conduit for, for, for discussions about public matters. I'm not saying there would be any intent. I'm just saying if you're from Colorado, you may not be familiar with that limitation on communications. So that would be one thing that I think that should be brought to the attention of any applicants if we're going to open up the discussion. Uh, and, and this is one of the, quite frankly, one of the limitations on on a practical use of uh, common sense uh, when you're trying to, to do this type of work, this business work. There are limitations on how government does things that, that are not involved on, on non-governmental business processes. So I would explain so, to the person, here's a quick lesson on sunshine, since you might be moving to Florida. Yeah. Well, yeah, none of us are attorneys. Uh, I caution us on Conservative and give you the worst case scenario. 
because of a, a, a candidate that... No, no, it's but, not. But that's why I do not. I don't have okay. a candidate. Mr. Mayor, to, I'm sorry. To be clear, though, when we say we're okay with an exception, what we're talking about is not ex get offering an exception to the qualification process. The process is everyone goes through HR, and then we repeat if we don't like the fact that they're filtered out, and then right. we can... So you're accepting the process if you identify that candidate. Yes. We already discussed that. We did. That was already discussed. And we all agree with that. Gotcha. Um, what additional, so you have to go with that minor change on the advertising, and that will release on the 17th, which is Friday. Friday. What? Applications on Monday, obviously. Not whether or not we get done that early, but you'll you'll have the the organization in place ready for that process without tearing up your HR product. And again, I'm sensitive. This is a big burden. This is no joke. This is going to, you know, I'll refer to Chief Forte again. This is the double task. You know, he's got very broad shoulders. I'm not sure I can assume everybody else does because we're asking a lot here. I get that. So, but you'll be right is what you're saying. Okay. Let's start the process. And then if we decide that we need more time, that we'll need more time. But let's start the process. All right. What else do you need from us today? That's it. Thank you very much. As a resource. Thank you. Thank you. Moving down the agenda, uh, Mr. Reichen, if you can help us with resolution.
stormwater and roadway improvement that necessitated the relocation of this existing water main system in the area. The county is paying for the design costs valued at roughly $130,000 and the construction in inspection services for water main relocation replacements as part of the county's contribution to the city's utility replacement. In addition to those county contributions, the, the prior city administration and city staff presented to the county commission and requested additional possible financial assistance for the cost burden of replacing the water mains and services due to the magnitude of the replacement costs and the remaining life left in the utility water main assets. The county then further freed up over $775,000 of project funding and has agreed to contribute this amount to the cost of relocating the water lines. The total estimated cost of construction is $1,640,000 and $654, I should say, for the water-related portion of the overall project. That's water-only related portion of the cost. Local governments are encouraged to cooperate on the basis of mutual advantage to provide services that will influence the needs of local communities. As part of the city's goals and objectives to ensure all infrastructure is a priority regarding maintenance and performance, it was determined that a large portion of the water main would need to be relocated based on the county stormwater design and taking all factors into consideration, it was decided that a complete replacement of the water main was the best ultimate choice. City staff will assist in efforts to coordinate, inspect, manage, and provide limited engineering resource input on the project as needed. Upon completion of the project, the county will execute all necessary documents to effectuate the complete transfer to city ownership, operation, and maintenance of the potable water system, including a bill of sale for the lines for the city's operation and maintenance of the lines. The county will continue to be responsible for maintenance of the remainder of the project in all other aspects. All work will be performed to meet city specifications and standards. To recap, construction costs, the total utility construction costs that will be associated with the county's general contractor for water-related costs is $1.64 million and change. Of that, the county is contributing $775,277, leaving an amount of $865,377 for city funding. Staff is requesting a contingency of 10% of the total value of the project, which comes to roughly $165,000. The total city impact then would be roughly $1.03 million. This budgeted project is funded under the Utilities Capital Project Fund. This project is in the current five-year CIP, and I would be glad to take any questions you have for me to try and help. I have a couple of questions. Go ahead. If I may. Yeah, please. 
This is in the ring light. No, sir. Uh, it is in a community called with the name. It's confusing. Uh, a subdivision that is titled Marineland Acres. It is a platted subdivision that's very close to Sea Colony. If you're familiar with Beachside and Sea Colony, it's just north of Sea Colony. So this is this is Palm Coast. No, sir. It's in unincorporated Flagler County. Okay. Uh, and they're going to pay for the design. But we're still going to have to top up about $1.3 million out of our coffers uh, for something that uh, county wants. It's, uh, I remember going back for a while. That was a little discrepancy. With it. This was not without any uh, you know, discrepancy here. Uh, probably, that's probably the reason why uh, uh, Mr. Reichman and his firm have been talking with, uh, with the county about it. Did I get it correctly, sir, when you said that you've been talking with them about this? I've been working, our firm has been working with Mr. Flanagan and other representative staff. We do not, we, our firm, do not have any direct communications with any representative. I'm sorry, I, I, I misunderstood. Yes, sir. But anyway, so this is basically, uh, this is basically a, a county project. Uh, and this, once again, it's my opinion. It's only a, a, a county project that we're going to have to pay uh, $1.3 million out of our it boils down to that, in my view. I could be wrong, like I've been, and I do a lot of times. But uh, one thing is for sure. Marineland, this area, it's unincorporated. It's county unincorporated. Meanwhile, we're still paying $1.03 million out of our coverage. That's only my question, and if I'm wrong, please correct me. Yes, go ahead. I, I
because actually that's benefiting something that's incorporated, that's not impossible. It's benefiting them. And then I'm pretty sure that we could maintain, give them water, give them whatever they need. We will, we will gladly do that. I'm pretty sure that we have to anyway. But uh, you know, just maybe a nice conversation by uh, maybe the mayor and the city manager and you, Mr. Flanagan, will talk with them. You know, this is, this is a lot of money. And uh, maybe put some sense in their head or they're just gonna say no. And what do we got to lose? But at least we could use, you know, uh, uh, um, some diplomacy and talk with them. Maybe they'll agree with you. I agree with Councilman Bertino. And if that doesn't work and we find ourselves in a mediation situation, we can always mediate before going to court. But I think um, um, the way this stands now, I, I agree with Councilman Bertino.
started this project without having our final degrees. Yeah, I, I, would, I would say that's a correct statement. Yes, sir. Uh, that's, uh, so Whether or not 
not, we can all agree that I think anything less than 100% for us is not their fair share. But the way that we sit here today, it's probably the most effective use of our political capital to move forward with this project. And potentially if we are, so just think about it from a lawyer's standpoint, I don't even want to begin to fathom the numbers that could potentially be rattled off for potential damages if we weren't, if we did not move these pipes. I don't, I'm sure we don't want to get in a legal battle with the county, but I think the most prudent thing to do at this point would probably be to move forward with this project because we've, we have been working on it. This is the first time that it's come to this council, but it has been on, ongoing. And we have been working with the county pretty well at the utility, utility level over the last two years, right? That's correct. this is all 
they've gone to the county commission and they, and they have, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but that was my understanding is that this, this wasn't just discussions between staff, this, this arrangement went to the county commission and where we have in front of us is what the county commission approved. That's correct. Okay. It has, it has been. So they voted by they voted on this already. Pardon? They voted on this already. Oh, I defer to Mr. Flynn. I don't know if they voted on it. Yes, that's my understanding. Okay. So, but it is interesting. I want to make this observation. It, it is interesting that we have this agreement and the agreement, I believe, is the, the one that's in the gift package signed by the county. So there is not, there is not an existing agreement. There's a legal enforceable agreement between the city and the county regarding the sharing or whatever of, of, of these expenses, but the work is being done out there. So Mr. Flanagan, is it, is it fair to say that, that if this agreement is not signed, the county will continue with the project? The county will continue to complete the project, including but not limited to the, 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 the completion of the, the city, of the relocation of the city's total water lines out there? That's only a guess from me, Mr. Reichman. I'm giving that back my guess in front of the commission, but my guess would be they will try and negotiate eventually in good faith with whomever in the city would choose to negotiate further with them for at least a period until some kind of roadblock might occur and then exchange. It goes to the issue that I raised earlier, and I always try to, there's a time when I'm a suspender advocate and there's a time when I am your counsel. I'm not your advocate yet. I'm trying to give you the pros and cons. If I could, Mr. Reichman, I think part of the, and you spoke to this, is part of the negative would be the county would feel that they've already negotiated in good faith with the prior administration here at the city, and thus they took it to their county commission and they got it approved. And they would probably feel like we're going back at them just because the administration has changed here at the city and we're going to try and hit them a second time. And I'm just stating what I think the feelings might be. And I'm just adding that the administration of the county has also changed. That's correct. Since the negotiation has taken place. Which would say that it would seem to be fair to at least have some discussions. And that's why I say I don't see that. We have to have a discussion. I'm just not comfortable because as it comes out, you make reference to the potential for the county subsidizing or investing in some other projects that I'm not at all familiar with, which could be significant, substantial. So I don't feel at all comfortable. I would like to see us have a discussion. And I'll yield to Mr. Reichman on what would be the best way. And we'd have to do this, I would think, quickly to have a discussion to introduce our thoughts today. Let me make just one observation and then I'll try to address your concern. The irony, as I see it, is that let's look at the benefit to whom and then the cost to whom. And finally, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is a benefit to a specific identified number of properties. They're improving their transportation system and their drainage, stormwater drainage system. That's correct. It's a discrete number of properties. And the costs of that are the transportation improvements and the stormwater improvements have nothing to do with the city. So I don't know where the source of those costs are coming from. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Reichman. Thank you, Mr. Flanagan. We'll take the case under advisement.
those funds are coming from. You know, it's not worried about that. What we're talking about is the cost of administration of potable water. And that is a, an unintended, uh, a collateral damage, if you will, associated with their stormwater and erosion projects. So who's, who's benefiting from that? Well, it's the same benefit because it's associated with stormwater and roadway improvements. So who, who's paying for it? Well, right now, it's going to be the, uh, um, the, the, the people that, that are the general
have the conversation to make an ask. Can they do better? over there. That's why I think it's worthwhile to have a talk. 
computation. Now, we can arbitrarily set a goal. If it's 50-50 now, if it's 75 to them, 25 to us, I mean, having a, a diplomatic conversation, at least we made our best effort. Um, would you be opposed to that? No, I'm absolutely not. I think the letter and, and the, I'm sorry, the introduction is, you've got new faces here, new faces there. I think we can have a diplomatic conversation without injuring ourselves. As long as certainly would like to build our relationship with the county and make that clear. I'm not looking to create a, a new relationship. I want to improve what we have been improving over time. That's the key word. Councilmember Mantle is making a good point. You know, if, if we get sideways, not that we will, but if we get sideways where we go on it, the question would be from all practical purposes, different levels of negotiation that are formalized under Chapter 161, leading to what could be a meeting of the two members of the city, the body of the city council, city consoles, and, and, and the governing body of the, of, of the Black County Commission. I'm a board service, state certified mediator. So here's what a mediator does. Tries to break it down into television sense. Tries to take all the personalities and all the all of all of the emotions out of it and, and turn it into a business decision. So uh slide indicated that right now there's a there's a cost associated with the current status quo or whatever it is. We've also had a discussion, and this is the conversation that will happen in the mediation. We might as well have it now. There's also been a discussion about the benefits that this project for the relocation of our proposal water line. That we're getting, this is not something where we're just paying the money and getting nothing. So my question would be, is there any way, Mr. Flanagan, that you can quantify the benefit of having a new line with longer useful life to the city in a, in a, in a format, in a context where they are running a straight line and not among a bunch of trees and, and underbrush and things like that? Is there a way to try, from an engineering standpoint, to try to quantify that benefit to the rate payers of the city of Toronto? And a reduction of the repairs as a result, I mean, as a result of, of new, of new infrastructure.
Thank you.
the ability to be recognized by the provider data. Thank you. I do have a question. I'm sorry. Uh, how does this come about? Uh, the city currently doesn't have a naming policy, even though we have several named facilities, and I believe there is um, a, a facility, someone requesting a facility be named. I don't know the details about that. Okay, my, my question was, for example, that you're talking about City Hall. Well, let's say, and I mentioned that in the past, that, for example, the East Wing, I would like, for example, I would like to have it named John Metz East Wing. That would not be part of City Hall, would it? Um, that's a good question, and we are looking for feedback, and uh, uh, we're taking notes today, and so it will incorporate these types of things. So if you want to talk about what that what that means, I mean, generally we call this side of the building the community wing. It has a separate uh, a separate name, um, so we, we would definitely consider that if that's what you would like. Yes. Did we interrupt your presentation? Yeah, a little bit more. Yeah, let them finish, and then we can have a sure. conversation. Yes. Okay. Um, there's um, several criteria uh, that would be established as part of this, and that would be um, an individual um, living or deceased who has contributed outstanding civic service to the city, or an individual living or deceased who has made a significant land or monetary contribution to the park, recreation area, facility, or municipal building, or has made uh, the contribution in memoriam of uh, someone and when stipulated, stipulated the name has been stipulated as part of a condition of donation. Otherwise, um, if someone made a donation of land and included that um, in the deed that they would like to place it in um, in some, uh, in, you know, in memoriam or somewhere or in, in that person's name. I apologize, this is really hard to read, uh, but this is how the process will work. Like, and you can find it on page 83 
lot of you went through this first. That's the reason why I'm saying that, because not long ago, actually a very short time ago, in Newark, New Jersey, where I came from, they took down the statue of Christopher Columbus. Okay, and that's pretty sad. And by the way, Christopher Columbus was Portuguese, so you know, you know, so. I'm thankful that we have uh, people who have participated in our community, some of which have passed on, that had such an impact on Palm Coast, but so many individuals that we have to consider who we're going to choose for renaming these places. I think it's just a testament to the tremendous you know, legacy that some individuals have in our community. And I suspect that <clears throat> even though these details are great and it's awesome to have something in place that once we're going to rename the facility, that it'll be a very collaborative process. And I don't, I don't foresee uh, having much issue with this, but it is great to have the process written down and adopted.
Compost. Uh, it is a, their programs and or events need to be open to the general public and held within the city. And then recipients must be must participate in one community event hosted by the City of Compost or facilitate a program or event inside the arts district. Uh, so we sent out an open call for submissions. Uh, we did this through some social media, we did this through our website, um, and then we also put some uh, press releases out on Palm Coast Observer and Life of Life. Um, and then these listed here are actually applicants we sent, uh, uh, applicants, new applicants that we sent um, to uh, this year. So we had the Songwriters Festival, the City Lights, the Green Room, uh, Palm Coast Music Festival, uh, Christ at the King Academy, Community Chorus of Palm Coast, and then the Portuguese American Education Society. Um, and then on the right is kind of just a little bit of an example of what we sent out to those organizations. Uh, so the review and evaluation, uh, we held a public meeting August 20th, um, and our team and listed down below reviewed all the submissions. Uh, we received about 13 submissions for this year, or for next fiscal year. So the team consisted of Lauren Johnson uh, from Parks and Rec, myself with Parks and Rec, Jose Parker with Community Development, Jordan Myers with Community Development, Bruce Francesio with Procurement, and then last is Sophia Clark with our Parks and Rec Department. Uh, throughout uh, the submission, this is kind of what we reviewed and what some of the criteria was. Uh, we, had, we kind of made sure the event program promoted cultural arts, uh, the expenses uh, that we were going to give them through the grant was directly related to the program and event that they wanted to host. Uh, they also had to use 10% of it for marketing, and then also they had to specify that the city, their event would take place within the city during 2022 fiscal year. Uh, next slide here is the 13 that uh, we received from submission from. Uh, we had a total request amount of about $35,400 uh, with our budgeted uh, amount that we had, and only have 30. So each group, except for Family Matters of Palm Coast, received $2,600. Uh, Family Matters received $1,400, but uh, they plan on using our community center for their event, and so we waived the fee and the insurance for that, for that event as well. And that really concludes our presentation. Please, uh, open call for submissions. Mm -hmm. I, I see that you have uh, three, six, seven. Uh, is that new groups? Yeah, those were new groups that uh, uh, inquired to us to get the application for the grant. So they were not included in this year's. Uh, uh, oh, no, these were the ones we just sent to. Um, and then the 13, uh, the 13 listed here is the once we've received. Yeah. I was hoping that the Punko Singers uh, Songwriter Festival was going to be awarded, but I'm not sure. Uh, the process, I had gotten some feedback that it was, for bigger events, it's, it's tough to uh, allocate the energy for the recommended award pool, but that's just from an individual data point. I think maybe four or five of these open call for submissions actually ended up on this list, so Seems like we had a pretty good rate of participation. Yeah, so um, the, the, the two new ones that we received was the Green Room and City Lights, where we uh, received applications from them and then you this year.
two, possibly three now in the state of Florida that have a class four designation with only one city being a class three designation. With the CRS, it's better to have a lower score class four than don't. So one is the absolute best you can do. So being a class four is something that we're very, very proud of. And as I mentioned, the CRS is part of the National Flood Insurance Program. The class four designation that we currently hold allows uh, our citizens to receive up to a 30% discount up on their flood insurance if they live in a special flood hazard area, or up to a 10% discount if they do not live in a special flood hazard area. And we currently have over 5,500 um, residents and uh, businesses that hold flood insurance, so that 30% or 10% discount greatly impacts those people. So we did do outreach um, in regards to the edits to this section. Uh, it was approved by our ISM reviewers. It was also stated by the State Flood Plain Manager's Office that they would approve it as we've, I have been in contact with them and they said they would approve it as it stands presented to you. Um, emails were sent out to local stakeholders on 6.4 and 8.11. We didn't receive any feedback or questions from stakeholders. Um, we also put it on the city website for our citizens and we didn't receive any questions or feedback for it either. I'm gonna go and now into the proposed changes. Um, on the left side of the screen, you'll see the strikeout version and on the right side of the screen, you'll see the clean version. I'll kind of just give an overview of each proposed change. Um, for this one, we're taking out the um, size um, portion of this. So as a strikeout stands, we're taking out the, we'll have some <coughs> lots for as large as five acres um, if, you're in, if you are in an area that does not have a base flood elevation. So we're taking that part out and basically are saying anybody who is in an area that does not have a base flood elevation will need to get that determined. Um, and we'll go by, um, later in here Just to make sure they're protected just like a 
Uh, we're clarifying for critical facilities, so that would be a hospital, a police station, anything like that. Um, we're changing it from new critical facilities proposed for construction uh, within a special flood hazard area with average storm base flood elevation. That's why I mentioned before that phase in. Um, so we're saying now that they have to already have in hand their letter of map change from FEMA before we'll allow them to go through the permitting process. So that just makes sure if it's a critical facility, they're already removed from the floodplain per, per FEMA. Um, so then they're removed from any kind of flooding um, hazard. These are proposed changes to the glossary. We're adding a definition uh, for detailed methods when you're establishing a base flood elevation. This would is what the engineers will refer to to get their um, guidance on how to determine the base flood elevation. And these are the deletions um, the state floodplain management office requested in regards to those manufactured homes section um, that they edited. At the Planning and Land Development Regulation Board, the Planning and Planning staff voted uh, 7 to 0 to recommend City Council approval of the changes to the Land Development Code 10.02. We will be going to first reading on 921. The floodplain itself, is it dynamic? Has it changed uh, it has significantly to be. in the last few years? Or yes, we had a map change June 6, 2018 um, for FEMA, so it did change, I would say, the canals um, more significantly, um, but it does change every once in a while when FEMA resets the area. And, and the other question is, um, do these changes help to reinforce the, the discount that uh, our residents are getting because of the, the, the rental designation that we are renting that we're receiving? Yes, if we do not make these changes, we could revert down we, a class. So they, yes, they, we would lose um, some of our discount. Historically, there's been a ton of work that has went to getting us to where we are today. I don't want to undermine any of that. It's not an accident that we're class three. It's through years of hard work and uh, literally man hours so thank you for everything that everyone has done to get us there. Um, and it, it does help. I'm in the SFHA special flood hazard area, so I'm ben I benefit from team hard work, so thank you guys. And kudos for the, the previous administration that led us to uh, we are today. <coughs> I would suggest through communications that this would certainly be allowed for the future so that residents become more aware of, uh, of, of the wonderful work you're doing to help save the money. Comments? No comments.
afternoon, Mayor City Council. I'm Casey Lutke, Procurement Coordinator for City of Palm Coast. This afternoon, I'll be presenting proposed procurement ordinance changes. The current procurement thresholds for the City of Palm Coast were originally adopted in 2002 and then revised in 2017. However, we have not had any significant changes related to procurement thresholds. That is why today we are proposing updates to our current thresholds. We expect the proposed thresholds changes to increase process efficiency and will fall more in line with comparable municipalities in Florida. This next slide is about the Government Finance Officers Association, uh, known as GFOA, and uh, just some background information for some of you or refresher for others. Uh, the GFOA assists local governments uh, with developing and identifying financial policies and best practices. In October 2020, uh, GFOA was awarded a formal project by the City of Palm Coast as a consultant for our process improvement enterprise resource plan. As part of the ERP, uh, Mapping Research, the Government Finance Officers Association has provided some research data to support process improvements in our procurement thresholds. After researching multiple municipalities of comparable size and structure in Florida, the GFOA determined the procurement thresholds are less restrictive than the City of Palm Coast. Upon completion of an internal review of purchasing procedures, we developed these proposed changes by reviewing comparable municipalities' procurement thresholds, the size of our budget, and number of purchases the City of Palm Coast made. We concluded the following threshold amounts for continued efficiency. These items are only for purchases that do not currently have a master agreement or contract. The City of Palm Coast current ordinance states that a $3,000 purchase limit requires one informal quote. We are requesting an ordinance revision to increase that threshold to $4,999. Additionally, uh, current ordinance states that a $30,000 limit requires council approval. We are requesting an ordinance revision to increase that threshold to $50,000. Keep in mind the proposed threshold increase from $30,000 to $50,000 for council approval does not change the council approval process for formal bids or purchases under a contract agreement. Both of these proposed changes will reduce administrative time of requisition approvals or requisition changes resulting in a reduced timeline for operations to obtain purchase orders and contracts. Additionally, the proposed changes will reduce the need to formally bid lower cost items. Altogether, expecting increased response time for increased services to serve our population. And finally, we have administrative ordinance update as, as well. Additionally, we have proposed changes that reflect current staff title and department division name changes. Emergency purchases will be submitted to city council on a monthly basis versus the next council meeting after the emergency. Sole source purchases will be submitted to city council on a monthly basis versus quarterly. The procurement team has also collaborated with legal to improve our bid protest procedures for process clarity, including who, when, and how a bid protest can occur. Finally, we have an addition of a public-private partnership requirement to ensure compliance with Florida State Statutes 255.065. Pending any questions, uh, 
this will conclude the presentation. Thank you. Um, my first question for me is, uh, have these changes been discussed over time with, uh, with our auditors? Or do they, should they be discussed with our auditors?
we weren't quite at the point where we could propose new positions. So we started with, okay, what exactly in our processes are we doing that we can streamline and benefit from uh, making the process better? And we were engaged with the GFOA, and part of their process was to look at our procedures. So that's how this whole thing started. Well, I'm just, I compliment the, the initiatives, look for ways to, to reel in future budgets. But um, this is an oversight issue.
alternatives are that they're digital friendly. So when you have like uh, like an ICO file that is that little icon that's in the corner of your web browser that shows the website, the exhibit A doesn't scale very well. Whereas this next one looks like it's a scalable vector graphic, so you can make this big or small as you want. So there are applications where honestly exhibit A just doesn't work. I'm with you. I think the other logo is nice too, but we need to adopt something that even if it's so. So if we go either or for now, and then we bring it up on the agenda items, talk about what you want the logo to be down the road. The problem is, like, it's a mental thing to me with other logos. I was here when this logo was made. I know how it came to be made. But it's, it's been insulting for a couple of years now. All I'm saying is it's out there. In other words, you can't, you can't, you can't, you're not going to be able to reel it back in so quickly. It does need to become an agenda item that we discuss. I think Council Improvement is a good idea. If we make it either or, you still got the one you love in play, and then we could discuss that. Well, that's where we are now, right? If we can use this one, that one, right. or the third one. The right. only, yeah, so this one still exists. We're not gonna have to rechange that or anything. My only other question would be, um, has any action been taken uh, with regard to the new logo um, as to uh, intellectual property rights um, to, a, to a change or to supplement uh, the uh, application Yeah, but the one question that we still have to, we'll have to do 
today's market is because, you know, when that was created, we had really had to the digital world so much. So it will limit our ability to project ourselves, to brand ourselves, because of its limited ability to, to become bigger while remaining clear. Um, yes, sir. Two things that I trust the experts for manhole ceiling and uh, manhole filtration. Don't go there. Okay. Um, so at this point in the meeting, I'll open up uh, the, the meeting for public participation. I'm very young in the public, but would like to step forward and make comments. One person. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the, honor, the honor is yours.
budding with the Councilman Bank going into the eye. Workshop discussion on on the golf cart transportation. And, and they would hope that it would get passed and we can do a Christmas golf cart or whatever parade or something. They call it. <laughs> Other cities have it. I have nothing for this meeting. I just also would like to say thanks to the gentleman. That was very, uh, you were very well mannered. That was awesome. Uh, I, other than once again, thank you. Ceremony slash uh, remembrance. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> one thing that was said there and actually disturbed me, uh, it came to my attention that someone, not knowing the whole story, criticized the man by the statue of Matthew Manson regarding the plaque. What happened to that plaque? Let me tell you something. I don't care if you question uh, Matthew Massel's working capabilities or abilities, which I don't, by the way. I don't, I don't care if you criticize Matthew Massel for his political views, which I don't, by the way. That don't bother me. But he begins to bother me and hurts me when he questions this man's patriotism and knowledge, but, and knowledge of how to handle a flag of the United States of America. Congratulations on your decision. I think you did it for love. I think you did it for without malice. And thank you for being a good citizen. Thank you for being a hero. Thank you very much. Okay. I have nothing to add today. Does the city attorney have any comments? Nothing further today. And now to the Um, we have uh, the redistricting commission 
Um, council selected the five mayors. Unfortunately, one member has um, declined. Five members. Right, five mayors have been appointed. One five mayor. Members.